0: You are listening to the Homeland Heroes Salute, sharing stories to heal and honor our heroes. This podcast is brought to you by the Homeland Heroes Foundation and produced by Derrycam. This podcast sometimes deals with mature content that may not be suitable for a younger audience and could be triggering for some individuals. Discretion is advised. The views expressed by our guests and others are solely their own. No views expressed in this podcast represent any of the Uniformed Services, the Homeland Heroes Foundation, Dairy Cam, or any other organization. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Homeland Heroes Salute. My name is Alyssa, and joining me today as guest host is Arthur Briggs. We're joined again by Corky Messner. To hear the first part of his story, you can go back and listen now to our previous episode. All right, welcome back, Art and Corky. For this portion, we're going to dive into your life in the military.
1: Great. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Thanks for having me back again. Uh, So to jump in here, Corky, we talked about uh, your your story last time we were together about how all of these people kind kind of like there's roadblocks of life that happen that kind of push you down. You're on the football field. You get knocked down over and over again. You're, you're getting ready to go to West Point. You're graduating high school. You get knocked down. You, your dad passes away. Uh, life's kind of throwing you at some, some pretty hard curveballs or, or some, some right hooks. And you ship off to West Point. Your career starts a little bit different. Not everybody that joins the Army goes to West Point. Um, you're 17 years old. What does it look like to leave uh, Pennsylvania and to arrive at West Point New York, uh, walk us through that first day. Like what does transition look like?
2: Well, yeah, it's it's a great question because it's something I, I talk to my kids about. It's kind of funny. Now I'll remind you that, that, you know, I, I went to, uh, when I left Altoona, I actually went to basic training at Fort Dix. And to go to to prep school and then for a year, then West Point. And so the, you know, the traditions today of taking your kids and dropping them off, um, that didn't happen in Altoona back then. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) so that, that first day was a ride to the bus station in Altoona. (laughs) And I, and, and I got on a bus, uh, that took me to actually Pittsburgh where we did in processing and from Pittsburgh, there was a bus that, that went the whole way across the state. And as I recall, it was an overnight bus ride to Fort Dix, New Jersey. And, uh, you know, and, and then, uh, and then I remember the drill sergeants <laughs> and, and, you know, they were all Vietnam vets at the time. This was 1974. And, um, you know, and it was a it was a shock to the system, to say the least. And I'm sure the veterans out there know exactly what I mean. You know, and it really, when you think about it, it it gives me a bit of a unique experience. I'm someone who went through basic training and then also, in addition, went to, went through Beast Barracks at West Point. So I had both those experiences. And, uh, you know, in basic training was, uh, you know, was, I was, I think, uh, maybe in shock most of the time.
1: 17 year old kid uh, going to West Point prep school and you end up at Fort Dix, New Jersey and there's these Vietnam era men wearing weird hats encouraging you to get off the bus. Uh, Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And they they were full of pep and vinegar. They were just happy people. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And it and I remember
2: the first morning, um, they would they woke us up by throwing an empty metal fifty gallon trash can down the hall.
1: You know, and you're like, "What is that?"
2: Good so, morning.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that was at like seven or eight or nine a.m. Yeah, right. <laughs> Uh,
2: I think it was about 4 a.m., which I had never seen before in my life,
1: except those nights I stayed out all night. Right, right. And and you were surrounded by your closest friends that you've never met before. That's right. That's exactly right. So I didn't ask you in the, the last episode, uh, Altoona is your home. Did, were you well-traveled? Had you gone different places at, at 17 years old?
2: Not really. I mean, the Jersey Shore was the big thing to go to. Um, You know, we had been to, we had gone to Florida a couple times. Uh, But, you know, Pittsburgh, you know, to see sports, mostly the um, Pirates. Uh,
1: Nah, wasn't well-traveled at all. So, 17 years old, football team. Kind of, kind of know how to work with people, but now you have an influx of people from all over the country. I'm assuming from California to New Jersey and from Maine to Texas. And, and you, you, you met them yesterday. You you racked down for the night. I'm sure is the best night of sleep you ever got. And three, four a.m. Some grumpy Vietnam veterans with weird hats on throw a metal can. <laughs> right, what, it was, what was that like to integrate into, you know, because teams are very important to you. I, I can hear that in your, your story. I can hear how important it is for the people on your right and left. Like, that's very important to you. What did that teach you, that season where you don't know who's sleeping underneath you or above you, but you're in this together no matter what? What was that like? Yeah, I, it was
2: you know, everybody was in the same boat. And, and, uh, so I think everyone was very, very, um, motivated to make friends fast, (laughs) you know, and to, to figure out who you could rely on, who, who had your back, who would help you, who would, you know, who would get shoulder to shoulder with you. And, um, and look out for each other because you're, you know, you're forced as, you know, you're in that, you're in that situation and you're forced to rely on each other, even though you're strangers. And, and, you know, quite frankly, there wasn't much cockiness there. You know, it was everyone wide eyed and, and, um, and, and I would tell you that we were all together at that point. All of the all of the um, enlistees who were going to the West Point prep school were together at that point in basic training. So so it was our first opportunity to bond, and uh, and we we uh, we became very motivated very quickly to you know to put aside our you know our our high school cockiness especially this group because the group was mostly all recruited athletes you know and you come out of high school as a recruited athlete with a certain attitude and you know we lost that in about 60 seconds <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, certainly. We could spend uh, probably the entire time together talking about your time in basic training. Uh, but I, I want to kind of just give you an opportunity to capture, uh, in essence, I don't know what it was then. I think it's eleven or nine weeks now. What what's that time of of instruction meant to you then, and what it means to you now?
2: Yeah, great question.
1: Um, yeah, it
2: for back then, I mean, you know, it was um a a a shock into the reality of you know, looking forward in my life that there was no going back. And you know, and I, you know, I grew up at a time where you were taught never to quit anything right and and uh when you decided to do something you didn't quit and so so you know for me it was okay i have this in front of me and um and i will succeed i will get through basic training i will get through these These crazy Vietnam vets yelling at me, (laughs) you know, and it, and it, um, yeah. And it turned out, I mean, one of the things, um, that really stands out to me is one of the drill sergeants, probably the meanest drill sergeant, you know, actually, you know, he knew something was up with me. So 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 he reached out to me one night and said, What's up with you, Messner? And I told him, you know, my dad died like six weeks ago at that point. And he was incredibly compassionate and supportive. And and, and literally said to me, you tell me what you need to do. If you need to go home for a few days and come back, let me know. And I of course did not go home for a few days, but 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 you know, he he was he was uh he really really sticks out in my mind.
1: Yeah, the toughest of characters when yielded to compassion become the best of leaders yes yes that's good wow and and so that's really really something just to to meditate on uh that thought and that idea of that leader Um, But so the second part of my question was that brief period of time, very, very impactful in your life, obviously. What does it, what, what still transpires in your life today from that time? Would you say?
2: Yeah. You know, I, I look
1: back at it
2: and like a lot of things in my life, I kind of say, did I really do that? <laughs> did, I, <laughs> did I really do all that? And, and, uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, many fond memories. And of course, as many veterans know, the, you know, going through hardship at the time really sucks, you know, but then you look back at it with very fond memories and fond men, memories of the bonding that you, uh, you, you know, that happened with other people. And, and, um, you know, and, 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 you know, and it, and then you see, you feel, you can see how that experience impacted you and, and the positive impact it had on you. And, and the, and you can put into perspective, you know, the, the, you know, the, the, the hardship of it and the, and the pain of it and see that, 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 at the time felt terrible, but that hardship was also a positive impact. And it, mm. you know, and, and those kind of things, quite frankly, influenced my parenting, influenced my, my leadership, influenced many things in my life.
1: I like it, thank you for opening that up for us. So fast forward, graduate basic training, uh, but that's, that's just the beginning for you. That's like the culminating thing for most people, like, hey, I'm going to a unit. I'm going to uh, start doing my career in the Army. But you then enter into West Point, uh, the land of milk and honey, as some may call it. T- tell us about what it's like to transfer from basic training into West Point and then give us uh, if you can, just to capture that, that period of time that you're at West Point.
2: Yeah. The, um, so the year at prep school was actually after basic training was pretty easy. It was all academics and sports, um, you know, so that, that was pretty easy. They were getting us academically re- prepared and then, and then uh, prepared athletically. And then, and then going to West Point, going through beast barracks was um, basic training times about five, maybe 10. Um, it was very rigorous. It, it was um, very, very stressful, physically, psychologically. And, and that was back when, you know, the, the whole deal at the academy the model then was, you know, to weed people out. So, so my class went in with like 1600 cadets and we graduated, I think less than a thousand. The model today is, you know, they the army looks at it as they're spending a lot of money to recruit kids. They're spending a lot of money to find the right kids. And so, once they bring them in, the model today is to is to support them and help them and coach them through any shortcomings or hardships they have. Try to keep them. So they only bring in, I think, maybe twelve hundred a class now, and graduate more than a thousand. I think the model today is a better model. Um, you know, and and it. You know, the first day at at West Point's called our day, reception day, and it is an amazing thing that happens. I mean, they, and they still do it to this day, although this year they're doing it over three days because of the COVID situation. In one day, they bring in, you know, 1,200, for me it was 1,600 kids, and they give them uniforms, they give them haircuts they put them in their rooms they give them their equipment they teach them how to march they teach them how to salute um and and by the end of that one day they have a parade that those cadets march in and get sworn in that all happens in one day That's- <laughs> oh, you know, it, it is, it is an amazing thing. And then I went down for both my sons on their, our day, um, where, and it was kind of, int- you know, you talk about memories, you go in in groups of forties and the parents are with the, with the incoming cadets and an officer talks to you for about two minutes. And then a cadet talks to you for about a minute. And then the cadet says, "You have sixty seconds to say goodbye." <laughs> wow! That's and if you if you go to my Facebook page, my personal Facebook page, I did a little video um, for my son who graduated. Since they didn't have all the ceremonies and and with some pictures, and there's a picture of him and his brother when when he was told you had 60 seconds to say goodbye. You should see the look on the little brother's face. Oh, yeah. But, you know, West Point, uh, I mean, Beast Barracks is incredibly difficult. Plea beer is incredibly difficult. The academics, the academic load at West Point, even today, is... is, um, very, very difficult, and and you know, and 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 when I went, and it's very different today. But when I went to West Point, there were classes on Saturday morning, and we had to go to class on Saturday morning before a football game. So, so we were – the football team, you know, they started classes early at 7.30 in the morning on Saturday, and and we were in class at 7.30 a.m. on Saturday morning. And then we got out of the second class. We were excused to go get ready to, to go up to the stadium and play Penn State and Pitt to Notre Dame.
1: That is awesome. I don't. I don't know if you sound bitter about having class on Saturday or or you look back at, at it with fond memories, but uh, I, I can't tell which one it is. I'll leave that up to you. So, no, uh, West,
2: yeah, fun memories. Crazy. You know, today they take them off post and they get to stay in a hotel the night before, and you know, and and you know, they compete at different levels today, which I should tell you. I am all West Point athletics now. The coaches, the athletic director are in an organization called the Army West Point Athletic Association and it's a a nonprofit tax exempt organization and we actually uh got legislation passed about 7 years ago to get carved out from underneath the army so we could we could pay um Coaches, competitive prices and stuff, um, competitive salaries, and so I'm chairman of the board of the Army West Point Athletic Association now. So I'm I'm very in tune with what goes on athletically.
1: Absolutely, um, that that whole paradigm is completely crazy when we talk about how much college coaches get paid, and and you have the Army, the the other services as well, the Navy um air force they really just couldn't compete so uh, it's people uh like that organization organizations like you stated that make a difference and make them really the athletes able to compete at a different level so that's incredible um i want to i want to take you to your next step right which is you graduate west point which is an incredible achievement I want to know if you remember who your your speaker was, who spoke at your graduation, and then if you can, take us to, you said that your first duty assignment was Germany, take us to, you know, being a, a second lieutenant in the, in the actual Army. So your, your whole buildup is, is a gazillion years long, and then you actually get to go be in the, you know, when it, how you know the Navy would call it the fleet, and in the Army, I don't know what you'd call it, going to the, the actual Army, right? So, what was that like um,
2: yeah the the graduating was an amazing experience i I'm trying to remember who the speaker was i I think it was um uh Harold Brown, the Secretary of defense i believe um and then i I went to Fort Benning. Uh, to go to the infantry officers basic course now here's here's another interesting thing about my career track when i was a cadet in the summer one summer i went to airborne school and one summer i actually did ranger school as a cadet which I can tell you they don't do anymore because it, it's just, it, it destroyed my body and destroyed my junior year on football. Um, and, but it was, yeah, it was, it was, uh, not a great thing and that's why they don't do it anymore. So I went to Fort Benning and I did infantry officers basic course. Um, and, and I think I also took the mortar officer course. And then I deployed to Germany in January, 1980. And, uh, and I was there from January, 1980 to, uh, May, 1984 and, and, um, it was hard. We spent a lot of time on maneuvers out in the field. Uh, that's back when they were doing the Reforgers, which is the reinforce of Germany exercise each fall. Um, it it, you know, we worked really, really, really hard. But when we had time off, we would travel all over Europe, all over Europe, and 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 the treaties at the time allowed us to go. Drive through East Germany to go to West Berlin, and then in West Berlin we could go through checkpoint Charlie to go to into East Berlin. So I was able to actually be in communist East Germany and East Berlin, and got to see what that was like. And I and and it was horrific. I mean, East Berlin there were parts. Most of East Berlin at the time in the early end eighties looked like world war ii had ended two weeks earlier wow. the communists did nothing to fix it
1: i i can't wait until our next episode where you you link for that time i'm going to bring you back to that uh next episode because i want to talk about uh you know where you're at today and, and what your past all of this has has brought you to as you're running for senate um so, so, folks that are listening, hold on for that. Um, you mentioned two schools that uh, Ranger. So, I'm assuming like you were a forest ranger and you put out fires in the army. Uh, and then, and then, airborne school. Did they launch you out of a, out of a catapult, or did you just go on an airplane ride to get that school? Uh, what are those two things like?
2: Well, yeah, Ranger School, Army Ranger School is is you know, a, a really, you know, the most difficult thing I've ever done. It is a physical and a psychological test, the likes of which, um, you can't imagine. It's, you know, very little sleep, very, very little rations, um, you know, we, we, you know, we had a pretty tough cadre. I mean, we started, I want to say we started Ranger School with maybe 216 and, and I graduated like 90. Um, uh, and, you know, it was, I, it was so difficult. It was, I mean, days with no sleep days with one hour of sleep and, and they, they really, really put you through your, the, the paces. And, and, and it is a, it is a physical and a mental test. And, and, uh, I literally, I mean, I went in there in great shape as a probably a 210 pound rock solid football player. And, and because you don't eat much and you don't sleep much and you're, 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 you know, constantly out um, in the woods somewhere for most of the time, except for about the first week. Um, I, I left there weekend at about 180 pounds. And, and, uh, And then I remember I got to go home for about a week and then I reported to football camp, (laughs) early football camp, which, I mean, my junior year was just a disaster because, because of it.
1: What position did you play in football? Well,
2: I started out as a linebacker and was not very good. And, and somehow ended up being a place kicker on the team. Now, I was back in the day with the old square toes, right? So, so, so that, that was my journey there.
1: Yeah, I imagine after you lost all of that weight, uh, your, your linebacker, you're just gonna get run over. Yeah. Um, so, 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 that didn't help your, your position at all. Um, so, number one thing you learned out of Ranger School when you went through it, what would you say your number one lesson in life was? Um,
2: You know, it, the, 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 the number one lesson from ranger school is, you know, help your buddies, help your buddies. Um, You know, it, it, you know, I, I remember a kid, I mean, the poor kid was probably five, three, hundred and twenty pounds, you know, and you're carrying around an 80, 90 pound rucksack all the time. And um, you know, and we were on a for, forced march one night going up a steep hill, and he just couldn't keep up. So we started pulling stuff out of his rucksack, you know enlightening and we all shared caring the extra stuff that really look out you know for each other because that's the only way you make it through something
1: like ranger school
2: with your ranger
1: buddy I like it I like it alright one more school because we got to wrap this episode up but uh, airborne school that's a that's a walk in the park compared to ranger school I'm sure but it also uh, it has its own sets of challenges. So, uh, if you could, for people that don't know anything about airborne school, just give us a, a recap, maybe one of your favorite experiences and uh, or terrifying experiences about what it's like to jump out of a perfectly good airplane.
2: Yeah, I. You know, the thing I remember there. There's a couple things I'm going to remember about airborne school, and it's a lot easier than than Ranger School. Um, but I remember Sergeant Cuthbert and he was one of the instructors and he, he was, you know, he would talk like an evangelical preacher. And I remember he would say every day, only the strong survive the weak fall by the wayside. And so I remember him and then, um, I remember my first jump, which was a night jump, I believe. And That's a great I way to get it over with. Yeah, and I was the unlucky one who was the first one standing in the door. So you're <laughs> so you're actually standing in the door, ready to go out until the red the green light comes on, and you're standing there, and you're like. Oh my gosh, what am I, you know, so so when you're in back of the line, you just run out the door, right? But being first in the door was was uh and and I remember the training, they said just look at the horizon at night. Don't look down.
0: <laughs> so have you ever been skydiving for fun?
2: No. nor do I have a desire to do that (laughs) what was it like to go out the door um count to four you know it, it actually turned out to be kind of fun you know it it after you get through the first one it's
1: it's kind of fun right on right on Alyssa what do you say we wrap this one up
0: yeah, that sounds good. I think that's a good place to stop. Thank you for joining us for the second part of Corky's story. For part 3, tune into the next episode of The Homeland Heroes Salute. This podcast is brought to you by the Homeland Heroes Foundation, an organization dedicated to the reacclimation support of active duty service members, veterans, and their families in their time of need. To learn more, visit homelandheroesfoundation.org. Thank you to our production team at Derrycam creating connection through story for a better world. Learn more by visiting DairyCam.org. Thank you for listening and make sure you subscribe to the Holman Harris Salute wherever you listen to podcasts.